the conversation continues right now, right now, right now with right now, Dominique now. DePrima on First Things First. It does, and 800-920-1580, that's the number to call if you have something to say about it. Uh, former First Lady Rosalind Carter was honored by her family, her friends, all the First Ladies who are still living, the presidents, and even her husband, Jimmy Carter, who was in very poor health, was there. He was 99 years old that day. And paying tribute to her, it was definitely a send-off meant for a dignitary of the highest stature. And it was televised throughout the world, especially throughout the United States. Three days of events celebrating Rosalind Carter, not just as the wife of a president or a first lady, but as a humanitarian, a trailblazer, and an outspoken woman, which we take for granted now, but certainly over the course of her lifetime was something unusual and opening doors for many people in the political sphere and others. Bill Clinton was there. Hillary Clinton was there. Melania Trump, Michelle Obama, Laura Bush, uh, Kamala Harris, and more, all paying tribute to the former First Lady. So rest in peace to Rosalind Carter. Those three Palestinian uh, men, they're college students actually, who were shot um, the suspect, Jason Eaton, is pleading not guilty to attempted murder. And the debate continues over whether or not these are hate crimes. Of course, that's a technical definition. And there are certain legal standards. We've been asked not to jump to conclusions about this, but it seems highly likely that it was a hate crime. There are three men, all 20 years old, on a holiday break for Thanksgiving. And they were wearing the kafiyas, which is that traditional Palestinian scarf, speaking Arabic and English, walking and talking when they're confronted by a white man with a gun who allegedly said, I've been waiting for you. He fired at least four rounds without saying anything else and then ran away. Um, so this is pretty serious. And I think in the climate that we're in right now, it is very incendiary. The FBI says that we have to be mindful, aware of potential attacks by homegrown violent extremists. Yesterday we were talking about what's going on in Ireland with these riots, these really racial riots that are going on. Anti-immigrant is what they'll be framed as in the media. But if you think about it, those immigrants are black people from Africa and Arab people from throughout the Arab world. Here in the U.S., we've heard so much talk about a spike in anti-Semitic attacks and also anti-Muslim attacks. This is terrible but it's also part of something that was going on before the outbreak of violence in the Middle East. We saw 
the rise of hate crimes really linked to the Trump presidency and particularly targeting African-Americans, Jewish Americans, and the LGBTQ community. Those are the ones that have seen the biggest jump along with, of course, anti-Asian hate. And the reason for that is pretty easily traceable to the 45th president. But also when you talk about Asian Pacific Island hate, it was at a relatively low level prior to the Trump presidency. So the doubling and tripling of these terrible incidents is still resulting in a much smaller total number of humans being attacked than what we see against black folks. And sadly, the default continues to be attacks on black Americans. And again, this is not the oppression Olympics, who has it harder than whom. I say that to put it in perspective because I feel like there's something wrong with the high levels of attacks on black people being considered the norm, the default. Basically, what it shows us is that hate against black Americans is normalized in this country, not in need of comment. Every time these reports come out and we get a headline, it is a terrible jump in AAPI hate or a terrible jump in anti-Semitism or anti-Muslim hate. And we know that these things are driven by what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world. So of course it's natural to focus on that, but why is it also not a headline that for the four millionth time in a row for the consecutive forever report, black people are once again the number one uh, victims of these attacks? I say all that to say that we need to be mindful of this trend in relationship to Palestinians, Muslim people, anti-Semitic attacks, but also in relation to the direction our country has been going since y'all, not us, probably KBLA delegation, but maybe some, elected he who shall not be named, the 45th president, and the hate, the throwback KKK energy, the throwback birth of a nation, the new school, proud boys, et cetera, et cetera, energy that has been unleashed on our country. And now is really a, a worldwide phenomenon when you see the rise of these fake populist far-right extremists in places like Brazil and Hungary. That is the Trump model. It's a rich, elite, possible billionaire masquerading as a regular person, as the average Joe, as the champion for low-income, under-resourced, under-educated citizens. In a way, it kind of starts with George Bush, because why do I say that? Bush the second because he had this golly gee whiz, ah shucks kind of persona. And 
was viewed as a cowboy or a Texan and just a regular guy you want to have a beer with. But in reality, he's a super wealthy elite from Connecticut. This is all about imaging, right? The people who are um, actually standing up for under-resourced people are being labeled as elites. And the people that are really elites, the ones with the money, the ones with the legacy of depriving the under-resourced of opportunities, now they're seen as the every men and every women. And I think this is where, you know, looking at the situation we find ourselves in now with these attacks and the polarization in our country really needs to be dealt with at the root, right? Not just as each wave of hate comes across our desks, across our screens, where we're going, oh no, they're attacking Asians, they're attacking Jewish people, they're attacking Muslims, but how do we get to the root causes of this? How do we deal with the rise of fascism, white supremacy, and hate, which touches everyone, and putting it in perspective as the mothership of white supremacy, which is, in simple terms, anti-blackness, and why we cannot allow that to become normalized. I've always found it strange that the FBI's warnings, repeated warnings, because we've had several reports by the FBI that the number one threat to U.S. national security, domestic security, is white supremacy, homegrown terror groups, right? And yet no one seems to take that seriously. I mean, it's the FBI, for goodness sake. But yet we don't see these big alarming reports on the rise in domestic terror, even though it's playing out before our very eyes. And that is what appears to be the case here with these three Palestinian students in the U.S. studying at least one of them, an American citizen, I think two, if I'm not mistaken, American citizens, stellar students going about their business. And now, you know, facing the worst possible outcome. Um, one of them probably apparently disabled for life. How do we undo this? How do we put the hate genie back in the bottle? Now, I know you could say to me, Dominique, this is not new. Our country was built on white supremacy, the genocide of First Nations folks, the enslavement of black people. We do have a constitution that counted us three-fifths of a person. And we have steadily made progress. I think that's one thing I do agree with um, Dr. Taylor about from yesterday. If we pretend that we haven't moved forward, then we negate the work of all of the black liberation fighters who have been working and the progressives throughout history from every community have been struggling to get progress. So I'm not meaning to say there's no progress. And I think when you say, oh, well, white supremacy's always been around, that also could run the risk of us throwing up our hands, normalizing the conditions. We have had a relapse or 
a second, third, fourth coming of the intense white supremacist fascist tendencies, and now they are spawning more and more domestic terrorists. Don't ask me, ask the FBI. I think we've got to look at redemption for people. I think we've got to look at education for people. And it's not just holding hands and singing Kumbaya. That's why I say the root causes of this radicalization. In fact, um, maybe what's happening at X is a good sign for our movement away from normalizing hate. I'll tell you what I'm talking about after news, traffic, and sports. Some really interesting things going on right now at X that could point to possible solutions, possible movement away from this mindless, unfettered move toward white supremacy online and wherever it rears its ugly head. Perfect time to call me, KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So I was talking about X, you know, Twitter. And Elon Musk has gotten himself in a whole bunch of trouble by supporting anti-Semitic theories, supporting those tweets. Um, One guy basically wrote on X that Jewish populations are realizing that all of the immigrants, the minorities, quote, hordes of minorities coming to the country don't like Jews. And in response, Elon Musk says, you've said the truth, and it goes on, it gets worse. Um, So Musk went to Israel to try to make amends after he'd been called anti-Semitic. And I don't know that it's going to help because people are still quite angry at him. I don't think he, he did enough. He hasn't apologized. What's interesting to me, though, is that now... You expect advertisers to leave over accusations of anti-Semitism. That's been happening for quite some time. And X has been losing its revenue as a result. But in the past few days, it's leveled up with media brands going completely silent on X, meaning they're not posting at all. That might not seem like a big deal to you, but we're talking about Paramount, Lionsgate, Sony, Warner Brothers, Disney. These are folks who have whole departments whose job is to post on social media, to promote their products, to keep people engaged, right? Digitally. Well, they've all gone silent. And that's been going on for about 11 days. Now, that kind of pressure, not just I'm pulling my ads, which is a great start, but I refuse to participate. I think that's the kind of thing we're going to need to do if we're going to find ways to shut down this wave of hate crimes, wave of anti-Semitism, anti-Blackness, anti-Muslimness, anti-LGBTQ, the 
bubbling hate. And when we say, oh, well, it's just social media, that's not the truth. Social media may be a meeting place. It may be a place where cowards feel safe pushing their fascist fantasies, but it's playing out in real life, right? That's what the attacks mean. And it's coming out through conversation. It's coming out through entertainment, through all the ways that we communicate. So I think this kind of, not just a, you know, a boycott, which is important, boycotts work, but also a complete disengagement from that dialogue. I think it's important. Now, am I still Xing? What do you call it now? Posting, tweeting, whatever it is. Yes. And this particular move by these big corporations is making me wonder. I know when Musk first bought Twitter, a lot of people got off of it and said they were doing it to protest. I don't think my little few thousand followers makes a huge difference whether I get off or I don't get off of it. I have noticed that since Musk has taken over the platform, <laughs> my followers have steadily declined. I've never had a huge following on X, but it has always steadily increased. Little by little, increase, increase, increase. But since Musk has been the owner, it has little by little eroded. And okay, it is what it is, whatever. It's your sandbox, so you make the rules, and that's fine. It's a privately owned company, blah, blah. But when we decide to boycott, not just monetarily, but also intellectually, I think that's a level up in a way that we may need to think about in other arenas. Okay, a little palette refresher for you. Those of you who listen to me or talk to me a lot know that I hate self-checkout. I think it's a terrible idea. It is a way that big companies get you to work for them without paying you. Why am I doing the cashier's job? If I'm going to do that, I should at least get a 20%, 30% discount on my groceries or my hardware or whatever it is I'm buying. But apparently, there's been a big backlash, and I'm not the only one that hates this. Walmart, Costco, Wegmans, I don't even know what that is, and some other chains are now rethinking self-checkout because people don't like it, but also <laughs> they're losing money and probably a lot more money than they lose through the spectacular smash and grabs because people are putting stuff in their cart, uh, in their bags, and not paying for it. People don't know which fruits are which, or maybe they do know, and they're just typing in a cheaper fruit and weighing it out and paying that price instead of the price that the thing actually costs. People are having problems, like when they want to buy booze, then they need to check ID, blah, blah, blah. So apparently, self-checkout may soon be a thing of the past, and I love it. I hope it goes the way of the dinosaurs. This is something that was created during the 80s, but really exploded during the 2000s, and it was introduced by big corporations to lower labor expenses. That's exactly why they brought it in. They didn't bring it in for your convenience. They brought it in 
to reduce the amount of money they pay to humans so that those humans can go and pay their bills. I automatically have a problem with that. It is to cashiers what AI is to actors. More on that later because this has become very controversial as the Screen Actors Guild is currently voting on our new contract. There's been quite a revolt of people saying they may vote no. So we're going to see how this thing goes. But anytime you bring in machines to replace human beings, and now the machine is not even replacing the human being, you're making me work for you for free. And as a consequence, <laughs> you're cutting hours for those unionized workers that would otherwise be doing the job. I have a problem with that. They're also saying it's increased shoplifting and created other problems for retailers. Companies with self-checkout, this is according to CNN Business, have a loss rate of 4%, which is double the average in the industry. Now realize whether it's a smash and grab or a self-checkout, these corporations have insurance. They're not really losing that. But it is interesting that they were trying to save money by cheapskating human beings on their paychecks and ended up losing twice as much as is normal on what they call the loss rate, which means someone took some stuff, shoplifting, whatever you want to call it. So yay, goodbye self-checkout. I know it's going to take a while because they've already invested in those machines and they're installed in a lot of places. But apparently it is being phased out. And I consider that good news. Okay, I said I was going to talk about this yesterday. I didn't get to it. I want to look at the controversy around the emerging superstar, Tyla, and her saying she doesn't identify as black. I want to talk about that because I went to South Africa this year and I thought I knew about that system uh, of apartheid and its aftermath, but apparently I didn't know as much as I thought I did what I learned and why it matters to us and why it's relevant to the conversation about Tyla saying she's not black while wearing <laughs> cornrows and charting on black stations. That's next on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now, covering what's going on nationwide and internationally as well. Negotiators say that they are optimistic that the ceasefire or truce or whatever it is, pause in the bombing of Hamas, the war between Israel and Hamas, may be extended yet again. Today's the sixth day. It would have been the last day. Um, and But the folks from Qatar... The mediators they say they're optimistic this truce could be extended. Germany is increasing its humanitarian aid to Gaza, and the exchange of Israeli hostages for Palestinian prisoners continues. It's heart wrenching to see folks being reunited with their families. 
Palestinians and Israelis. I think just the idea as a mom of your child being held in uncertainty for 50 plus days is, is terrifying. I'm thinking about families right now in Gaza. What do you tell your kid? Well, maybe the bombing will start again tomorrow. Maybe we'll have two more days. I, it seems like a level of stress and horror that most of us hopefully will never experience in our lives. And I am praying that all of these pauses, truces, whatever, can lead to a lasting peace. That's what needs to happen. Total ceasefire with negotiation for a lasting peace. It's just terrible. Hamas has released 81 people over the first five days of that truce, mostly women and children. And Israel has freed 180 Palestinians from prison, mostly women and children. And so when you talk about releasing prisoners, it's very strange that so many of these are children and many of them, most of them have never been charged with a crime. They're being held without charges, something that according to our legal system is completely unacceptable, right? That's what's happening. We're seeing teenagers who have been in jail, prison for months and months and months. And the way their system works, they could have what they call it an administrative detention where they put you in jail for six months and then they could renew it every six months indefinitely. So hoping that the exchange will continue, that the ceasefire will continue and that those that do have some leverage on the situation, i.e. those that give funding to Israel, like us, the United States, will use that leverage to stop this war, stop this conflict. Uh, there's been an Israeli raid and some fighting inside the West Bank, but so far the truce is holding. Is it my imagination or do we seem to have, in this country, dropped our focus on everything else that's happening? Me meanwhile, um, Representative Santos is getting expelled from Congress and our former president is still facing tr multiple trials on 91 charges and black people continue to get shot by police. I am not saying that the conflict in the Middle East isn't important or that it's not relevant to us, but I feel like we need to also keep the ball our eye on the ball of what's going on in our country, our country that funds so many of these conflicts, including uh, and plays a role overt or covert in so many of these conflicts, including what's happening in the Sudan, including what's happening in the Congo, um, in Sierra Leone now. And so that's one of the reasons why I just am thankful for KBLA and other news outlets that continue to remember that it's all part of a big global puzzle and we have to be able to walk and chew gum. We have to be able to pay attention 
to more than one thing at once. The UN Climate Summit happening this week. Got some crazy info about that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. loud, loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. I'm going to get these things in quickly. Tyler. She's from Johannesburg, which I visited this year. Great place, uh, really wonderful visit to South Africa. But South Africa is not too far post-apartheid, right? And the racial stratification system, the uh, implications of that still linger. You still have the category black, white, colored. Colored is a legal status. It's, you can be black as Miles Davis or white as Mariah Carey, who's also black, and still be called colored, just like we call everybody with African descent in their bloodlines here black, regardless whether they're light-skinned, dark-skinned, rich, poor. Well, in South Africa, colored was a designation during apartheid where you had slightly more rights than black Africans. You had more rights uh, to move about to hold certain positions, but you were not given the full rights of somebody black. After apartheid ended, supposedly, the people who were designated as colored, which includes people from India, people of mixed race in Africa, and dark-skinned black people who got some kind of legal connections to get that designation of colored, they were given all of the privileges, I shouldn't call them privilege, all of the repair that was supposed to be going to black people. So all of the um, so-called affirmative action type programs were available to people considered colored as well as black people. So colored people in South Africa post-apartheid kind of got the best of both worlds. Um... For us, from a Western perspective, that needs to be abolished. I think it's more complicated than that, but I also believe that these are the vestiges of apartheid. And when we were there, as a large group of black folks from mostly South LA, the racism was palpable. It is not subtle. They have not shed apartheid in terms of their attitudes, in terms of their system. Yeah, the laws may be different, but the system and the social stratification remains. So yeah, Tyla will probably never say she's black, even though she benefits from the culture, even though she's accepted by us through smash hit water and the way she looks, a beautiful girl as being black. But in South Africa, she'll take the privileges of being colored. Okay, I have to do this real quick. Um, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. But the climate conference that's going on in Dubai right now is being led by Sultan Ahmad Al-Jabbar. Now the tape show that the Sultan is secretly planning to encourage more fossil fuel export by 
many countries in a position to do so, which seems quite scandalous if your role is president of the UN Climate Summit. More on that tomorrow. Time for news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.